for the sake of, again, our title's going up. I'm going to borrow for this series the title from Audra. So we're going to call this now Flipping Through Philippians as our title. See, the titles are going up. So Flipping Through Philippians. Uh, and this will bring us towards the close of the year. Uh, we're we're going to take our time through Philippians. Uh, so for this, uh, we're going to talk about Philippians on Sunday and Thursdays, right? And probably some on Tuesdays up in Jasper. We're just going to walk through Philippians. So I encourage you uh, to come to as many of the gatherings as you can if you want to be live. Uh, I will record, Selena and Alicia and others will help me remember, especially like up at Jasper to record um, in, in, in Gunnersville and all the places. So I'm just going to be walking through Philippians wherever we are, and I'll just record everything. Does that make sense? And it'll all be conglomerated on the podcast. So if you haven't done it yet, as a member of the church family, please on your phone, if you'll go to wherever your podcast engine is, and you search Life of Faith North, subscribe, do all the things, uh, it'll put the messages right to your phone. So that way, especially in this, because this will be the first time in over a decade I've actually done what is called expository teaching, which means we're just going to walk through this book of the Bible and, <coughs> until we're done. And, I, and everybody say, Brad, don't be in a hurry. So I am not going to be in a hurry. So I have no idea how long this is going to take. I have, like I said, I haven't done it in a decade. Uh, but, uh, but we're just going to walk through Philippians and just get everything we can out of it. Does that make sense? Yes. So with that, as I've said before, and I'm just going to show you why I use the Bible that I use, because some of you have asked, uh, in the front of every good study Bible, in the front of each book, is something that looks real similar to this. It's a study guide about the book. Right Again, if you don't have a Bible that does this for you, I would suggest you get you a Bible that tells you about the book. If you would like to know even more about a specific book, if you'll go into our church office on the shelf, uh, you'll find a set of four volumes. It's called Through the Bible, Book by Book by, I forgot his name, but his last name is Perlman. Michael Perlman. If you'll go there and it'll go even in more detail of it, you could welcome to borrow those as a church member anytime and look at that you want to see. And it's really, really good. But Philippians. So I'm just going to read right out of here. So Philippians records the founding of the Philippian church by the Apostle Paul. You can find that founding in Acts chapter 16 between the 12th and the 40th verses. That's the story when Paul went to Philippians uh, or to Philippi and founded the church. So he started that. Now, the neat thing about the Philippian church is the Philippian church was the church that was the closest in relationship to Paul. So of all the churches Paul founded, the Philippians were his BFF, right? Or we might say it, the Philippians were his peeps, right? They were his people, they were his group. They, they were the most faithful, the most relational. Can I just hit pause real quick and share this? Please, in your life, make sure that you're allowing ministries, not all ministries, but the ones that the Lord would, to be close to you. Amen. If this is your home church, get close to each other. If this is your home church, please get close to Selena and I yes. and Kevin and Audra as your pastors. Please get close to us. Yes. You need ministries that you are not just connected to, even through offerings or you listen to their teachings. 
all good stuff, but you need certain ministries that they're your people. Yes. And you're their people. Yes. Yes. And for about what we're going to cover, it's important to understand that, right? Because here's the thing, guys. When life gets tough, you need to know your people. If you look in Acts chapter uh, 3 and 4, there's an interesting passage, and I'll just tell the story uh, for, for, for time's sake. So Peter and John go to the gate that's called Beautiful. The Holy Spirit uses them to raise a lame man up and walk. That's the famous, we were talking about it kind of pre-gathering in, in the fellowship hall. That's the famous one where Peter has that aha moment and go, wow, I forgot my wallet. I don't have any change to give you. But what I do have, I'm going to give you a rise in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth and walk, right? So Peter had that, ta-da, I have authority. I have the name of Jesus. I have healing power within me because of Jesus. Let me give that to this man. Does that make sense? So that all happens. How many think that would be exciting? Amen. Can, can, I, can I just be real bold? You're going to see a pattern in the Bible. You're going to see God do some seriously awesome stuff through you. You're going to see people healed. You're going to see people come to know Jesus. You're going to see people filled with the Spirit. And you're going to be back there, this is awesome. And a whole lot of people are not going to like you. They won't say, uh, I, I have been astounded. I have been astounded at the time. I mean, again, I'll tell you, you know, here in our church, when we were just getting started, when we were back over in the community center and stuff, we had a man who literally, he got healed from cancer on a Sunday, right? Dusty had a word. He was with us. Dusty had a word for me. The Holy Spirit led me. We went over, ministered to him. He goes to the doctor the very next day. Hey, can't find no cancer anymore. And we're like going, what? Because we're like, so, wow. Because, I mean, I jokingly say, that has not always been my success rate, right? I'm, I'm, I mean, just to be honest, I've, I've told y'all, I've been more the guy God says, hey, go tell them, get ready to come home. That's been the, the, bulk, of, the bulk of my ministry has been, I, I jokingly say, I am the angel of death, apparently. Because I, I show up when people are like, so, you ready to go home? Because God said, you're going home. Right, and that's a that's a whole other message for a whole other day. It's still good ministry, but I mean, now I'm looking at God. Wow, they were healed, and I'm sitting there thinking this is going to be awesome. And not really many people thought it was overly awesome, uh -uh. including the person who was healed, because <laughs> we never we never saw him again for years. And I was told, went to Bible college, and Brother Hagin would say, "Did the dinner healing is the dinner bell for the masses? You know, you just go and God heals people, and whew, people are going to come to your." Mm -hmm. That has not been my experience. My experience has been you you follow the things of the Word of God, and people don't like you. That has been that has been more my experience, right? <laughs> but I'm encouraged because that was Peter and John's experience. Peter and John, very first time, see a man get up and walk that was lame from birth. He's dancing, shouting, praising God. Everybody's all this. And persecution comes. Yes. They're threatened by the culture. Don't do that anymore. Don't preach in that name anymore. Don't talk about this anymore. But like, like seriously threatened. Like we, we will hurt you. Don't do this again. Right, and Peter famously says, well, whether I should obey God or obey you, you need to decide, but I'm going to obey God. Mm -hmm. right. So I don't care what you do. Yeah. 
I don't care if you like me or don't like me. I don't care if you leave my ministry or not. I don't care if you stone me to death. I don't care if you put me in prison. I'm just going to do what I see in Scripture to do. That's just what I'm going to do. And I love you, but I ain't stopping. But see, but how they got there was, and where I'm getting to, it says in in Acts chapter 4, and after they were threatened, after they were told, you cannot preach in this name anymore, it says, and they went to their own company. They went to their people. They went to, guys, listen to me. That is why, as we hear, you need a place Wherever, again, I invite you. I think many of you that are here, this is your place. Can I just do that? How many of this is your place? We're your people. Even, I'm going to pick on, even if I rub your cat backwards. Am I still your person? I, you're still my people. Right? I know, I don't mean to, I promise. I promise it's never malicious. Amen. But here's the thing, here's why that's important. Because when life gets challenging, you need to know who your people are. Amen. And that some of that is, is when life gets challenging because it's just challenging. And some of that is really going to be, you take a step of faith, you go preach the gospel, you go see people saved, healed, filled with the spirit, delivered, all the stuff we talked about this morning. And you run into people who don't like that. Yeah. You need a place that you can say, you can come back here and go, hey, um, <laughs> We went out and we saw somebody healed and we made a whole bunch of people mad. Mm-hmm. You need your own company. The Philippians were Paul's people. Amen. They were the ones who were always there. They were the ones who always supported his ministry. They were the ones who were always praying for him. They were the ones, they were the tightest group he had. Of all the churches. Now, I say that's important as we read through Philippians because of what was going on. Does that make sense? So now I would add to that. So please let this place, if you will, if this is your home church, know that we're your people. Please know when it comes to anybody, Selena, myself, Audra, Kevin, us as your your pastors, please know you you can walk around in your underwear with us. It's okay. You can come... Maybe not literally, but you know what I mean. But I mean, you can come bear your stuff with us, right? You can come and you can say, this is tough. This is challenging. This is what's going on. This is my thing. Yeah. Right? Why? Because we're your people. I was challenged about this. I was, I was put on the spot about this. What do I say? We're your people. You have to know who your people are. Yeah. It's one of the reasons why every believer needs a home church. Amen. And not at just, and again, we're going to be doing more online, just fair warning. We're going to, by the direction of the Lord, we're going to be improving the quality and welcome to our online, whoever you are audience out there watching we're going to get better at this we're going to extend this more but even online if you're watching from somewhere remotely you still need a physical body of people that you call your own because when life gets tough when faith gets challenged you need people you need real like what kurt was saying when, when the doctor comes and says you've got this you need real, solid, real-life people who will put their hands on you and stand in faith with you and believe with you for your healing. Yeah. Yeah. You're not going to get that online. Amen. <laughs> You're not going to get that just through a website or through a podcast only or through you need people. Yeah. 
And if I can just be real clear, it's one of the biggest tactics currently of the devil post-COVID is keeping people separated from one another. Keeping people isolated from one another. Keeping people apart over all kinds of varying reasons. Does that make sense? Yeah. I'm just going to, again, I don't know, I'll just go ahead and say, y'all know you don't have to agree with everything I say. Y'all know that, don't you? Yes. Do y'all know that? Yes. I'm just looking around the room, make sure everybody knows that. Do y'all know I don't know everything? Does everybody know that? Yes. All right, very good. Y'all know that, and that's okay. But guess what? But we're going to talk about the Bible as far as I see it. <coughs> but we're going to talk about the Bible. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. And so you can, I'm just, you can come challenge anything I say. Please just come with your Bible. Yes. That's, my only, that's my only ask. Mm-hmm. Come on. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Yes. So, uh, something's been on my heart lately about my family. Uh huh. You know, yeah. When I talk to them, it's me and Kurt talks. You know, people say, well, I don't have to go to church for God's love me. And that is 100% true. You know, but I guess we're struggling with. You know, how do we plead, not plead, but how do we get them? And I told her, his dad got diagnosed. Yeah, he was telling me, yeah. So, like, I'm like, what's wrong with coming to church and having people lay hands on you? Yeah. Well, and, and, well, I'm with you. So, I, hey, just, uh, again, just uh, be a pastor. And, it'll, and it's a lot to, to be frustrated when mm-hmm. people give you. All the reasons why they don't need to come and be. Now, let me answer the question with this kind of stuff. Absolutely, people are correct. Do you, and I'll ask this question, do you need to go to church for God to love you? No. 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 Does God love you more if you're a good church attending person? No. 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 Does God love you less if you're not? No. No. Coming to what we call church has nothing to do with you and your relationship with God. That's right. Yeah, exactly. Now, I know that's going to sound funky for a pastor to say, but coming to church has nothing to do with you and God. Coming to church has everything to do with you and God's people. Yes. Because it's a two, it's a, the, somebody was saying that, was it? Yeah. The cross has two axes. Right? If you remember, think of the classic. It's on the front of the church out there. But it's, um, and just so y'all know, can I just, just, I don't know, I'm just bearing my soul here today. Uh, the, I love the cross, but it is my least favorite symbol of Christianity. Yes. It would be like wearing a little electric chair around your neck. Yes. Right? It's okay, Kevin, you can keep your cross on. It's all good. Right? I mean, but that, you're, I'm just talking about me. Right? I, I mean, but we've turned it, it, but the equivalent would be if you walked around with a cross in Roman times, it'd be like, it'd be like us walking around with a little electric chair or a little, or, or a little, little, you know, lethal injection or a little guillotine. If you're during the French revolution, you know, I mean, it would be because <laughs> it was the number one, it was the number one way of capital punishment. Right? So now I'm, I'm thankful for everybody. Hear me. I am thankful for the cross. Yes. Everybody hear that. Everybody shake your head and say, Brad's thankful for the cross. My, my favorite symbol of Christianity, though, is the empty tomb. Yes. And actually, my ultimate one we can't even see yet, it's the throne that sits on the right hand of God. You have to remember, we should walk with Christ in his whole journey. We should believe in his immaculate birth. We should believe in his sin-free, power-filled, Holy Ghost-led life. 
We should believe in his joyful, sacrificial death that took away all of our sins. We should believe in his powerful, Holy Ghost-inspired resurrection from the dead. And we should land, because it's where Paul landed, at where he is today. That's why Paul never said to the Colossians, set your mind on the cross. I know that's going to make, again, I, I know, just start sending the letters. I just know. Just start sending the comments on Facebook. I, they're going to come. But Paul did not say, set your mind on the cross. He said, set your mind on things above where Christ is. To the Ephesians, he said, and where you are with him. So the actual symbol of modern day Christianity is something we hadn't even seen yet. It's the throne of God. Because that is where you are. That is where you live. And as weird as it's going to sound, you're actually right there right now. As believers, we get to defy the laws of physics because we actually get to live in two places at the same time. By the person of the Holy Spirit, you are with Christ in heaven, yes. and He is with you down here. Yes. Amen. Amen. <laughs> well, it is. It, it, again, they're starting. I mean, here's the, you understand, the scientists, and I don't want to get off, okay, help me, hold it, is, but scientists are bumping into what's called quantum physics. Yeah. And in quantum physics, they actually talk about time travel or space travel is that points in the universe are tied together. And if we can ever figure out how to make a wormhole and tie up one place here and one place over there, you can instantly be in two spots at the same time yep. called quantum mechanics. They're just telling you about what Jesus did with your, with your soul and your spirit. Yep. Amen. Anyway, so that's all free. That's all extra. Where was I at? Does that make sense? But, but, but you need, back to, you need church for people. You come to church for people. Because we said there was two axes, right? On the cross, there's a vertical axis that, again, as analogy, represents he took care of the vertical relationship between us and God. But there is another axis on the cross that is horizontal. That John in his first letter, the Apostle John said, truly our fellowship is with God and with each other. Amen. Truly, and, and in that one point he's truly saying, and John had this revelation, it's a, you're tied to all of Christ. It, it, does that make sense? It, it, it'd be, and hold on, see, it, well again, it, it'd be like, you know, say, Brad... If y'all come in here, say, Brad, I really, I really like your head, but I can't stand your body. So I am going to have, I'm going to have a really deep, meaningful relationship with just your head. So when we get together, could you please just leave your body at home? Because see, I don't need your body to have a relationship with you, Brad. I don't need to be present with your body. I just, need, I just need your head. I just need your brain. And me and your brain are going to be tight. We're going to be close. 
not. Do you understand? Another analogy that's close is when people say, well, Brad, we really, really like you, but I'm not so sure about Selena. Mm -hmm. We've actually had people say that. (laughs) Say, Brad, I really like you. You're a nice guy. Your wife, she is hard to deal with. (laughs) Is that not what people have said? And I look and I say, well, I hear you. And, And sometimes I would say I understand. But she's she's me. You get one, you get the other one. And there ain't going to be a whole lot of me getting real close to you, and you don't want to get real close to her because we run together. And if you disrespect my girl, don't pee down my back and try to tell me it's raining. (laughs) Does Does that make sense? Right, because she's mine. Well, the same. How many people? That's what they do. Well, with Jesus, we really love you, Jesus, but not your bride. Really, really don't like your girl. Really don't like who you've chosen to run with. You know, we just leave them alone. Just me and you, Jesus. Just, just me and you is enough. And the Scripture is clear, clear, clear. We will not grow without each other. Amen. You will not. You will, you will be uh, abnormally grown. Yeah. If all you do is relate with Jesus only, you will be deformed spiritually. Come on. Yes. Come on. Does that make sense? Because he is one with his bride. Yeah. Now again, just again, I get it. We have to remember, all of God's children are special needs. <laughs> that includes you. Yeah. <laughs> So let's just have grace with each other and realize that you and I, we, we got needs. We got special needs, right? And so I'm going to, and that's why Paul to the Ephesians, I don't know why y'all got, I don't, does this help anybody? Yeah. This is why Paul said to the Ephesians, go there. Man, we got to get to Philippians. Um, <laughs> no, I know, thank you, Kurt. Yes, sir. So Ephesians, go to Ephesians, please, and look at this. We shared a little bit about this yesterday at, uh, at, the, at the marriage thing. But Ephesians chapter 4, Paul writing again, he says, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord, I beseech you. That's interesting. That word beseech, literally Paul says, I beg you. It's a deep word. It means grab you by the ankles and plead with all I can. Yeah. That's beseech. It's not a simple, well, you know, if you like to. Or I wish you would, or kind of if you feel like it, Paul is grabbing these people by the ankles and saying, I beg you, I beg you, as a prisoner of the Lord, walk worthy of the calling to which you were called. Here's the thing. Do you know what your highest calling is? And we call that word fellowship. Paul says to the Corinthians in the first chapter of his first letter to the Corinthians, he says, we are called into fellowship with Christ. Your highest calling is a calling of relationship. And it's a two-axis relationship. You are called into relationship with the person of Jesus. And you are called into relationship with what we call his church or his bride or his body. Yes. I'm going to be bold enough to say this. If you are unwilling to have relationship with what is called the church, 
then you do not have relationship with Christ yet. How can you? Does that make sense? So that's what we tell people. This is, yeah, you're right. You don't come to church. God will love you anyway. Absolutely. But you're not coming to church for God. You're coming to church because you need people. Right, because this is what also I found. Kevin and I were talking about this the other day. I love what Kevin introduced me to Stephen Mansfield, which all you men should follow some of the stuff he writes. I like it. One of the things he wrote is a little book called A Band of Brothers, How to Build a Band of Brothers. And in this little book, he instructs Christian men, all men, but especially Christian men, you need to build a band of brothers, men that will be around you, men that you give permission to jack you up. Yeah. Does that make men, men, you give permission to look at you and go, where you at, buddy? Come on. Yeah. You need a band of brothers. But here's what I found. Most people want that when they need it. Yeah. But they didn't build it before they needed it. Amen. So then they come up to the point where they need it and it ain't there. They don't got it. And then it's too late. The same thing is typically true in church. People want what we offer in relationship. You know that because they call you when they want you to pray. Pray, please. Pray, I need somebody to pray. I mean, that's just me being mean. So y'all going to have to take this one just as mean. Maybe we should look at people and just go, no. I ain't going to pray. I ain't going to pray for you. <laughs> I know. I, I, I'm being mean, Kurt. I don't mean it. You're gonna, we're gonna pray with people because Jesus didn't treat people. I'm just talking. That was the fleshy side of bread. That was just. But sometimes you do. You just want to say, "Well, no. Why? Because you only come here when you need me." I'm sorry. Yeah. Do I know you? yeah, that's right. Sorry. Do I know you? What's your name? Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, stand stand with us in this. In this, here's a big one. I mean, in church, this happens a lot. And y'all don't know this because that's part of my job. I get to shield y'all from some of this stuff, right? But just to let you in, you know, how many times people, has this Pastor Brad Hall been at the Life of Faith Church? Uh-huh. Can you pay my light bill? Come on. No. <laughs> well, 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 aren't you a church? Yeah. Why won't you pay my light bill? You don't come here? That happens all the time. Because that's what people look at. Oh, it's a church. They want the benefits without the relationship. Isn't there a verse about that where in, in the word it was describing women mm-hmm. who were like, just give me your last name. I'll do my thing, but yeah. I just need the last name for covering. Oh, I have to find, I'm sure there might be. Wait, I mean, I, I, mean, I was trying not to be. But I'm actually not in a yeah. relationship with you. Just give me your last name. Well, we were talking a little bit about that at the marriage thing. Right? There, our culture lives in there. Yeah. Right? Well, let's live together, mm-hmm. be friends with benefits, and I'll be committed to you until something better comes along. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Listen, as much as we're shocked and we, we would look at people like that, don't do that. Don't live with people like we'd mm-hmm. There's not a one in this room that would look and go, that's good. People do that with churches all the time. They shack up with the church as long as that church meets their needs, whatever that mysterious thing is. 
And when a better opportunity comes along at a better place, or they get what they get, unco- <laughs> it's no longer convenient for whatever you want to define that as convenience. They run off with the next church that comes down the road. Yeah. <laughs> just kind of just, I know this is just being real raw, right? I mean, but this is just, this is just sometimes how it goes. Oh, uh, uh, that's no, and that no. I mean, does that make sense? We have to be a good steward, but here's the thing: we have to be a good steward of resources. But listen, um, help me with this. Okay, you man, we all over the place anyway. But is everybody say this with me? Say, and we got this. This is Selena's new thing she created just for our weekend. So you get a little piece of the weekend. Say, uh Promise, so everybody say promise, precedes, provision. That's an alliterative thing. I like she creates those little things. Right? I used to say it like this, provision always follows commitment. Yes. And many times, again, people want the provision of relationship without the commitment of relationship. And they're disappointed. Yeah. When there comes a point, even, even when we do, again, praying for people is easy. Doing for stuff is easy. There can be low commitment, and I'll still pray for you. Yeah. Does that make sense? But then people get shot, that, and, they, and it's not a shot. Hey, listen, if there's no commitment, there, there comes a point where you run out of provision. Yes. Yeah. It's kind of scary a little bit. So that's one thing I think of is when you come and things are revealed. Yes. People don't generally like you're talking about being embarrassed. Yeah. It is kind of embarrassing sometimes. Yeah. But you gotta push through it. And then the second thing I heard a message about how people grow through you grow through adversity. You grow yes. through these things. And if there's someone always saving you, that's what I feel like in my family. It's been like you pray for me that this comes through, you know, and I do pray, but I'm like there's, you know, there's so much more. There's more to it. And if, if we pray and everything worked out, it's a genie in a bottle. You never Can grow. Be. Yeah. You never learn. I don't know. The relationship doesn't increase. Yeah. You learn about the person. Well, and Alicia, now, and again, and that is exactly true. Relationships grow through conflict. Relationships grow through conflict. They grow through conflict, but even what you're saying, sometimes... Our prayers don't get answered because our prayer requires push-ups, not a diet pill. Yes. Amen. Come on. Does that, I, I just could be honest. Sometimes people, what it is, is we, we want to come and even to God, we, we want him to zap us and say, and just take it, take my pain away so I can get back to my life. Does that mean? And that's, and, and God, and I love, and God is, and I agree that God many times is way more interested in my character than he is my comfort. Exactly. And sometimes God, and now God's answer, and this is, again, I'll just, again, I'm going to stay on the floor. I'm going to interject little sprinkles of healings. Sometimes God uh, wants you to change something in your life and it yeah. will heal you. Yeah. 
I mean, I'm talking to Pastor Mark. Pastor Mark over at Arundel campus, he hit me between the eyes. I mean, I'll just be bare. Him and I were talking the last time we were at lunch, and I'd been kind of read. I'd, I'm going to borrow from a friend of mine in Canada, Mohammed. Mohammed Sajedi, one of our great brothers. He was one of my uh, uh, band of brothers up there, and Brother Mohammed can say stuff to you. As only an Iranian who escaped through the desert after burying a two-year-old child and making his way through India and doing an illegal Saudi passport to get on a plane, eats the passport picture on the plane. So when he lands, he, I'm just, his, his life testimony and how he finds, we need to make a movie out of it. So when somebody like that does stuff, I mean, I look at that, Mohammed can say whatever in the world he wants to to me. Cause I ain't, ne- I ain't never, I ain't never dug a grave with my bare hands in the backside of the desert and laid a small child in it. And then got up, blew my nose, wiped my tears and kept going. So don't tell me I've got a bad day (laughs) because my burger was not right. Anyway, so that's a whole nother subject for us. So Muhammad would look at me and he'd say, Brad, quit poking it with a stick and jump in. He says, you're just walking around that thing, poking it with a stick. And and, and Muhammad, again, he'd look at you and go, all right, Muhammad, I I, I feel you, brother. Come on. Because he'd just look at you because he's not going to take your crap. Because he buried a child in the backside of the desert, right? He's not interested in, in your whiny little problem of, of the first world nature, right? He's just going to say, get up and let's go. Does that make sense? Anyway, so that was just Muhammad. So Muhammad says, so I've been for years, I've been poking with a stick this idea of intermittent fasting. Yeah. And, and doing different stuff. So I know it's been from the Lord. I've been starting <laughs> Amen. And doing some stuff. Yay. I finally, I showed up. Yay. Does that make sense? This kind of stuff. But Pastor Mark's the one that got me because he and I, he didn't even know this. He says, man, I've been, been really looking and studying about fasting. I go, you have. And I'm now I'm perked up. I said, and and, and he, oh, how come? He goes, because, you know, I realized uh, it's hard for me to tell my flesh to get in line with healing when I've never told my flesh to put the hamburger down. When I've never told, and, and, and him and I talked for a good while, he goes, it's astounding that all of a sudden we want to jump up and say, body, come in line with the healing power of God right now. And your body ain't never come in line with nothing. <laughs> you, you've never said to your body, drop down and give me 25 push-ups." Body, you're not going to eat right now. Yeah. You're going to do this. Body, you're going to do. And we've never talk before and then all of a sudden the doctor says you're going to die and we want to talk to our body because sometimes God is more interested in our character than he is our comfort and many times the answer we're seeking shows up and not that it doesn't show up I'm trying not to be too quote unquote um, sovereign or to whitewash stuff but sometimes what happens, here, people, God, God, we need money. We need money. I need to increase my thing. And a job opportunity shows up. Well, I didn't mean that, Lord. I meant like, <laughs> I need Nick to give me an offer. And that's what I really meant, Lord, is I need, <laughs> I need, does that make sense? Come on. Oh, God, I need to, again, I need to get my sugars down. I need to get my diabetes under control. 
God says, why don't you take a walk? Come on. Yes. Well, I wasn't, wasn't talking about that, God. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, God, I need, I need my marriage to improve. I need my relationship to get better. Yeah. Well, why don't you take her out yeah. on a date? Come on. Why don't you... Does, <laughs> Still waiting on that money. Does that make, does, does that help? And many times, what happens is, is people find themselves in their stuff. And I'll come back to this, and I do need to move in. Is um, I hope this has all been helpful. I've had fun anyway. So anyway, is back to what you said. People all of a sudden, well, no, just me and Jesus. It's all I needs. Me and Jesus. Don't gotta go to church. Don't gotta do nothing until the brown, smelly stuff hits the ventilation unit. Yeah. And they realize they can't live alone. Yeah, that's right. They can't do it alone. Yeah. And they look up and they want to find this depth of community that they never built. Right. Come on. And they want to come into a place and they want to come in and, and, and put demands. Yeah. Will you pay my power bill? Will you come pray for me? Will you help save my marriage? Will you come help save my kid who's in rebellion? Will you come do this? I need you to come clean my house. I need you to come do this for me. I need you to come do this for me. I need help. And you're the church and you're supposed to help. And aren't y'all loving people and you're supposed to help? We don't know you. We don't know you. That's right. You don't know us. Right. But sometimes you really want to lay hands on us. <laughs> <laughs> and I agree, Miss Elowit. Your own, that's right. That's it. That's it. And, and so people want, and, and guys, listen to me. Here's the thing. They want to harvest when they never, they want harvest when they never Peter and John run into their problem. Now, again, again I, I don't know why I'm not trying to be. Debbie Downer this morning. They ran into their problem after they saw a major miracle. Yeah, so please don't be shocked. Yeah. If you run into problems after you stand up and say, Jesus is good. He did this for you. And he's awesome. And he's amazing. And everybody goes. <laughs> right. <laughs> Does that make sense? Do not be shocked. Don't. You'll be disappointed. <laughs> Amen. But Peter and John had built a community for over three years. Everybody say three years. They had walked with the group of people for three years. They had been persecuted together for three years. They had seen Jesus do amazing things for three years. They had heard Jesus tell them and warn them, hey, remember, they ain't going to like you either. For three years, they had walked and they had jailed and they had built and they had seen things and experienced things and had walked out things together and had shared good times and had shared hard times and had been together. And then the day of adversity came and they could go to their company. Come on. Many people want to go somewhere where they've never made an investment They've never built what I call relational equity, yeah. and they want to make a demand. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. They want to make a demand on stuff, and they've never shown up. Come on. And now, yes, as Christ followers, I will do all I can. 
I will do all I can. But there comes some times where it's like, it's just too late. You didn't build what you needed before you needed it. And now you find yourself short and there's no time to make up the shortfall. Again, can I, again, in healing, talk about it. I've seen that so many times in healing. People have not built up their own belief and persuasion. Bigger thing, they haven't built up their own physical self. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. And the day of adversity comes, the day of sickness comes, and it's just sometimes it's just too late. And I wish I, could, I wish I had a better answer. Mm-hmm. I just, they're just, I just look in the EDO, man, we'll do all we can. I'll, does that make sense? Yes. But, yes. If you put forth the effort, the desperation is not as severe. Absolutely. Yeah. What? If you put forth the effort to build yourself up and then, then, then fuck, you're talking the desperation part where you're needing. Yes. You're Absolutely. Absolutely. No. There, there is. There is. And, and I know, and again, we are a grace church. I love, I love me some grace. And grace folk hate the word effort. <laughs> they do. They, grace folks, they, I, I, again, there'll be grace people out there watching me. Brad, that's not right. I mean, send them on. Just come on. I'm, I'm getting used to it. Just come on. You know, but no, there is. There is effort in believing. Yes, there is. Yeah. We still have to move. Noah still had to build the ark. <laughs> yes. Yeah. The reason I came back to the Lord is because of a church giving diapers for Jordan. Yeah. When I was hellbound. Yeah. And, my own thing. and so it was being good to people who were not coming, which I know we all know that, but it's following Jesus. Like, hey, yes. this person's asking me for help. What do you want me to do? Yeah. Well, 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 and again, I, please, please hear me. I agree. I'm not saying we're not benevolent. Yes, I, I mean, again, y'all have heard me say, how much did Jesus love like everybody? Yeah. Yeah. All of it. Jesus loved them all, right? And so y'all have heard, have y'all heard me, I don't know if I said the rings of relationship. Have I taught y'all that? Anybody not heard me teach on the rings of relationship yet? Some haven't. Okay, this is worth, this is a hallmark teaching that the Lord's given Selene and I. And it's a pattern for our life. Jesus had what I call rings of relationship. On the outside ring, if you're doing a circle in your notes, on the outside ring, there's the multitude. Yes. Now, all of the rings, did Jesus love everybody? Yes. Yes. He loved everybody. So it's not, we're not talking about love. Right. You don't love me or you don't love that person. No, no, no. We love everybody. But in the multitude, Jesus was really aware of the selfishness of people. He said, oh, they're just here for the miracle and the free food. Yeah. Yeah. He was just real. He was, and he told the disciples, Brad, Brad paraphrased, and we'll give it to them. We'll still give them the free food and we'll still heal them. But I am not deceived that they're here because they love me. <laughs> that they're on my side. That they're for me. Right? No. And something, guys in life, there will be people that they just are there for what you will do for them. Amen. And as a Christ follower, we will do it for them anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. 
Again, I, back when we talked about earlier that healing thing, it's when I really looked again. There was those 10 lepers that day. Jesus in his ministry, 10 people come, 10 people got leprosy. Jesus, you're the healer. Jesus heals all 10. Nine say, thanks, Jesus. See you later. Yep. And leave. One comes back and says, you are the Lord. You are my Lord. I worship you. Thank you. So Jesus' return on his healing investment was 10%. <laughs> but Jesus didn't heal the 10 so he could get more disciples. Come on. He healed the 10 because he's the healer. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. But he was just very aware. Also, people are just here to get what they can get. People are just here to take advantage of, of what I have. Yeah. And I'll give it to them freely. But I just, I'm just aware of that. I'm not mad at them. I'm not upset at them. I don't not love them. You just realize, oh, yeah, they're just here for the free food. Yep. Does that make sense? <laughs> the next ring in, it drops from the multitude to the 120. Now you start boiling down Jesus' life. So on that upper room that day in Acts, Jesus had 120 who followed after his resurrection. Yeah. Now that, now again... Can I just be honest? I'm just going to just hear this. Is, I don't know. This is Brad bearing his soul day. I don't know. But imagine I'm Brad. I'm super mega church pastor guy, right? You know, we're there. I'm super, super pastor. I got me a multi-thousand member church, right? They're all here. It's going great guns. Man, we got every program under the sun. We can do it all, right? And then a little event happens and you boil my church down to 120 people. I say one thing, eat my flesh, drink my blood, <laughs> let's take communion together. And everybody goes, I just can't handle that, Brad. That's just, uh, now, listen, that is what happened. Jesus had thousands of people following him and he looked up and said, I'm about to thin the herd. And he looked up and he said, hey, just eat my flesh and drink my blood. You can be my disciple. And they freaked out. Now, was it, un? here's the thing. Here's the, was what Jesus said untrue? No. no. It was the truth. Yes. It was what would give them life. They just didn't like the truth. Mm-hmm. They didn't want the truth. The truth creeped them out. The truth scared them so hard. And they left. But here's the thing. If that happened today, that was me. Thousands of people following our ministry. I get up. I preach one message. We're down to 120 folk. People would go, that Brad sure is a terrible pastor. He must not be a good leader. Man, he must not be anointed. Man, look at that. All those poor people had to leave. (laughs) Had to go find them a new place. Does that make sense? So see, Jesus, and it's a pattern, right? Listen, guys, psychologists now know brain that literally in our brain, in our biology, there's about 150 relational ports. You can have about 150 meaningful relationships and you reach about the max, biologically speaking. And for you to, once you fill up your ports, for you to 
generate or create another deep relationship, you literally have to unplug somebody and plug the new person in. That's why things like megachurches, if you've ever noticed, they tend to break and fracture. Now, we call them, and this is, anyway, I'm, I'm, I'm being good. We call them clicks. So I don't like that church. They're clicky. They're not clicky. They're just biological. People will break down into about 120 and 150 group units. You put 5,000 people together in one organization, they will congregate themselves into smaller units of about 120 to 150. Yeah. Why? Because that's all you can handle. Yeah. Amen. So you need to understand that. There is not going to be space in your life for everybody. Did y'all hear me? There's not going to be space for everybody. That is why, what Lisa just said, that is why we have to be led by the Spirit on who we allow into these next rings of relationship. And here is where it begins to be two-way. Because at 120, those 120, they wanted Jesus as much as Jesus wanted them. Does that make sense? Yeah. Those 120 wanted, I even love in that story, Jesus does his whole one, Jesus did one message on communion and busted up his whole, I mean, we do it every week. I'm glad y'all still here. And so, um, but, but Jesus did, he did one message on communion, right? And, and, they, and they leave and then he turns now to the 12 and goes, you want to go too? And he's just testing them. Yes. And I love their response. The 12 didn't say yes or no. The 12 said, well, you're the only one with the words of life. I ain't got nowhere else to go. (laughs) You're the only one talking truth, Jesus, so I think I'll stay here. And then if you read it and go home and read it, the intimation is is they really would have preferred to say, we'd really just like to go because that kind of creeped us out too. (laughs) Right? That really kind of rubbed my cat backwards, Jesus. I'd really like to leave. Well, where else am I going to go? What else am I going to do? So I love what I heard one preacher say one time. So what is, in the Matrix, which color pill was it that led him out of the Matrix? Was it red or blue? Was it the red pill? It was the red pill. So they said, well, we're going to just take the red pill and see how far the rabbit hole goes. Right? I mean, we're just going <laughs> to we're, we're go. Right? But there's 120. And listen to me, as you get closer and closer in your life and in your heart, there is more and more of a two-way to this. Yes. That there has to be a reciprocation from the people you're letting in. Amen. Does that make sense? There has to be a two-way. Because one of the things I think we've done in church, and, and we meant it well, is, well, no, we just love Every And we do. We do love everybody. But I can't let everybody in. I can't. I can't. Here's the thing. I can't let them in. In some senses, just biologically, like I said, I just don't have, I got 150 ports just like you do. That's what I got. Like what you got. I got to be led like you got to be led. But here's the thing too. I can't move the needle deeply. In everybody's life. Come on. Again, can I, again, I'm, since I'm exposing the church this morning, it seems like, 
You know, one of the things that aggravates me, and I have to be careful because I'm, I'm getting better at learning there's a balance. But for a long time, you know what always aggravated me in the church world? What? Well, if you'll come this Sunday, Miss Lynette, if you'll come, the message I have today is going to transform your life radically. <laughs> and I go, maybe? <laughs> if... If you let it, it will. if you respond to Jesus that's in that message, if you put forth effort, if you, and if you'll lend yourself to the gift that's in me, yes. we got a shot. Yeah. Yeah. But just you showing up, not again, it's one of the biggest things we have to be careful in our modern church world. I know this is anti all kinds of stuff, what I'm about to say. There are three false transcendencies. Do y'all know what the word transcendency means? Transcendency means something that takes you to the next level. Something that helps you transcend. You're going from where you are right now and you're going to the next level. You're transcending. And the big fancy $5 word for this Sunday is transcendency. Right? Well, there are three false transcendencies, right? False. Now that just means they're not true. They make it feel like you went to the next level, but when you shake yourself, you realize you never left the house yet. Does that, does that, you didn't go anywhere. Now two of them as the church, we're real good about preaching about and warning people about. One of the false transcendencies, the first one is the false transcendency of chemical addiction, whatever that is. Drugs, alcohol, sugar, caffeine, Netflix, because those, I know you think, but Netflix and Facebook, Mm -hmm. Facebook is a false transcendency. Every time you see that like, they literally know you get a hit of, (laughs) you get a hit of dopamine in your head. Every time somebody goes bling and likes your little thing, it releases dopamine. It's a chemical addiction. Facebook is as chemically addictive as cocaine. Yeah. And you just have and it's a false transcendency because you don't have that many friends. (laughs) (laughs) Does that make sense? Now again, y'all hear me. So they're false trans you have to just be aware. It's a false transcendency. It it'll trick you. It'll make you yeah. feel like you went up to the next level. You didn't go nowhere yet. Yeah. Right? The next false transcendency is the false transcendency of illicit relationships of any kind. Now again, we know those as sexual affairs. Pornography would be considered a false transcendency. Hey, uh, codependent relationships. They're a false transcendency. Anything that's illicit in a relationship, those are false transcendencies. Right? And y'all have heard preachers preach about them for years, right? The third one, we love in the church. And you don't hear hardly anybody preach about the third false transcendency other than celebrate it. It's the false transcendency of the crowd. Right? Because how many of you, again, you drive by some big old church and you look out there and you see all those cars and you've heard somebody, maybe even yourself, go, man, something must be going on over there. Yeah. Yeah. 
man, they must be having, they must be having something happening over there. Maybe. Maybe not. All that you drive by and that parking lot's got lots of cars in it because a lot of people showed up at the same place at the same time. That's all that means. <laughs> here. Well, and again, now here's the part that they're here. Well, and they're here many. And again, please hear me. I'm not. I hope we grow. Does that make sense? I hope our little church here grows, gets bigger. Can I just tell you that people ask, well, Brad, what's your vision for our church? Man, I want us to get and bump up around 200 people. Once we start bumping about 200 people, 150, 200 people, we need to start be looking at where we're going to do another one. Another church. Another church. Not, a building. not a bigger building. Not a bigger parking lot. Right? We just need that. We just need another church. Why? Because once we hit about 150, maybe 175, I'm being generous. I'm being prosperous. I got that word of faith thing going. Right? Then I realize that people are about as maxed out as what they can commit to each other with. Mm-hmm. So now it's time to start another community. Because I would love to have about hmm, as many of those as I could help start before I go home to be with Jesus. Amen. Just as many 150, 200 member churches where you got a person up here that loves those people and will live with those people and live in that community and become involved in that community and help those people love each other back and those people genuinely love each other and are in each other's lives and are uniting their callings together and working together to see the kingdom of God grow where that church is. Amen. Oh, I want as many of those. I want to, I want to take as many of those to heaven when I die as I can. Amen. Yeah. Does that make sense? Amen. And I'd love just, man, that's like $100 handshakes. You ever, you know, people, how many of you would like to get a $100 handshake yeah. today? How many of you would? You'd like somebody to walk up and shake your hand, give you $100? Yeah. Yes. Come on, I'm going to be proud about that. How yeah. many of you want that? How many of you like to have it, have it more than once? Yeah. Now, my next question would be, how many of those would you like to get in your lifetime? As many as we can. A bunch. A bunch. As <laughs> many. Amen. Does that, make, does that, does that help? Amen. Hey, let's start. Here, start with a 10. Start with a five. Amen. Start somewhere and you start giving and start giving out the handshakes you can give out and you'll get there. But, but does that make sense? But so I'm not against church growth, but the actual church has got to grow, which is, which is you. It's me. It's the people. And we need to grow vertically with him. And we must grow horizontally with each other. And if I'm reading the scripture accurately, until we do the horizontal piece, we'll never really attain the vertical piece. Because here in the same, we looked in the same, uh, in the same chapter four, we were just at. I want you to go home and look at how many plural pronouns Paul used in that one chapter. Until we come to the unity of the faith. Until we come to the fullness of the stature of Christ. Until we are all joined together. And each part is bringing all that it is to bear on the other parts. And you just hear this very inclusive 
plural pronoun language in Ephesians. We, we, us, together, us. He's not talking about until I grow. Into the, do you understand that I will never, your pastor, I will never attain to the fullness of Christ apart from you. That's right. That's right. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. You will never attain to the fullness of Christ without other people. Because only in relationship with other believers and everyone coming together, everyone pushing together. Does that make sense? Yes. Now, I'm going to close. I'm going to end right here. We're coming up time. Go back to Philippians. Man, I was, at least we made it to Philippians. Amen. <laughs> but here we go. We'll start Philippians here. Paul says in verse, chapter 1, verse 1, Paul and Timothy. Now, even, even the whole thing, we talk about this. Look at that. The book starts, me and my son in the faith. Yeah. We did this. Yeah. We're writing to you. Yeah. Come on now. Yes. Guys, listen, it's time we, we quit living apart. It's time we quit dreaming apart. It's time we quit working apart from one another. Amen. Right? Here, Paul, me and Timothy, bond servants of Jesus Christ. Love this. To all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi, with the bishops and the deacons. So he's talking to everybody. Everywhere mm -hmm. in Philippi. Does that make sense? He is all over it. Now notice this, and I meant to get there today. I'm going to just have to ask you to go home and do some homework. Can you do that for me? Yeah. All right. Verse 2 says, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. So your homework this week is I want you to go home and read the beginning of every epistle. And I want you to count up how many times that similar phrase is mentioned. And I want you to come back on a gathering Tuesday, Thursday, or next Sunday. And I'm going to ask you how many letters start with grace and peace to you. And you're going to tell me an answer. And I'm going to see if I can still count. How does that sound? Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yes. But I want you to pay close attention. And I'll go ahead and again, grace and peace to you. Grace and peace to you. Almost all the letters start with something like that. So what do you think God is trying to communicate? Grace and everything. Listen to me as we've talked about stuff. And Alicia and you and Kurt. Every conversation begins with grace and peace. Yes. No matter where it goes. No matter what correction has to be spoken. No matter what instruction is given, the heart is always bringing grace and peace. Amen. It's never bringing condemnation and blame. It's never bringing, even if it's a hard word, it's always for the purpose of grace and peace. Amen. Amen. Now it says this, verse 3, Paul says, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. Listen to, I can't. So Paul is thinking about the Philippians and what's the first thing that comes out of his mouth? I'm thankful for you. <laughs> I'm thankful for you. Hey church, I want to, all y'all that call me your pastor, I want you to look at me. I'm thankful for you. This morning I was sitting on my deck waiting for a squirrel to come by. And I was sitting there and I was thinking about all y'all and I was thinking about this morning. I mean, I'm so thankful. And I went through y'all's those fans, I'm so thankful for the Westers. Yeah. So thankful for the Longs. Thankful for Kevin. 
Man, I'm thankful for the potatoes. Am I going to get that right? Did I get yes. that right? Hey, thank you, Jesus. Thank you. I'm learning how to pronounce people's names. Amen. I said, I'm so thankful for Nick and Katie. I'm thankful. I'm so thankful for the Davis family. Does that make sense? Amen. I love, listen, he begins, I'm thankful. Who are you thankful for? Who, who are you thankful? Do you know their name? Who, when you go to pray for people, I want you to pray the first words to be, Lord, I'm coming to pray for Mary Minor. I'm thankful for her. Thankful for her. So grateful. So, so grateful. So thankful. That's how Paul began. That's how we should begin. Amen. Upon every remembrance of you. I love that. Now, how many of you think that Paul had some remembrances of the Philippians where they were a little aggravating? Yeah. I love that. He said every remembrance. Man, when I remember you and I'm remembering the good stuff, I say thank you. When I'm remembering you and remember how you didn't like my post on Facebook or you made some kind of snarky comment, I say thank you. <laughs> no matter which way it comes, every time I remember you, I start, I'm thankful. This is always in every prayer of mine making, now notice this, making request for you with joy. Guys, listen, if, if our prayer life isn't filled with joy, I'm going to say we're probably not there yet. Mm. Come on. Don't stop praying. But if my prayer life, when I'm going to pray, it's not just full of joy, mm -hmm. then I'm probably not quite in the right attitude of heart yet. Yes. Yes. Amen. Amen. Because listen, I haven't got, because Paul, and I didn't read this, and you read in the front of my little study Bible, you know where Paul was when he started writing this letter? Prison. <laughs> Paul was, it says that many people believe Paul was in his first Roman imprisonment. So Paul was in jail. We're going to later read, and this was not no light, you know, kind of cooling off period. Because this is the same book where in chapter 2, Paul says, man, I'm kind of in a tough spot because they're talking about killing me and I'm really excited to die. <laughs> so, so Paul is not in our prison with cable running and a library. And <laughs> Paul, is, Paul is in prison, prison, facing a death sentence, prison, serious conversation about chopping off your head, prison. Does that, and Paul says, you know what? I'm thinking about you and I'm grateful and I'm just so full of joy <laughs> in prison. Hey, Kurt, I, I love your humor because Paul's actually saying, hey, I know we've been planning kind of a prison break. Uh, it, now it's, it's a Holy Ghost prison break. He says, because I don't know which way. Because he says, I don't know which way. Listen, listen, listen. Oh, come on. I don't know which way to use the crowbar of faith yet. Whether I take the crowbar of faith and I go ahead and pop the door on eternity and cross over. Or whether I use the crowbar of faith and I pop this door open and I help you a little bit more. 
But either way, Paul was saying, but I'm standing right here and I'm just so happy for you. I'm just so joyful. Every time I remember you, I am filled with joy. Listen, yes. listen, church. Listen, ain't none of you have been in prison yet. Right. Uh, Amen. Ain't none of you been facing anything Paul was facing yet. Yeah. Does that make sense? So come on, when we go to pray, there needs to just be a whole lot of joy. Now, you know, and, and I, you know what the foundation of joy was for Paul to pray? Let's keep reading. I wanted to get to here anyway today, so here we go. He says in verse 5, because for your friendship in the gospel. That's what fellowship, but the, we would say friendship. That's what that means. A deep contributory friendship. Not a fair weather friend. Not a friend that is on my side when it's all good. Paul was talking to people. Because remember, he went to his people. I'm in jail. I'm going to die. I'm remembering you. And I remember your friendship with me in the gospel from the first day till right now. I mean, I love our new modern vernacular. Paul said, you're my ride or die, people. Right? You're my ride or die. You're in it. We're going together. And then Paul says, and this is the foundation. He says, I am confident of this very thing, that the one who began a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Do you see that? Mm -hmm. Now, I know we've all heard that verse preached real good before, mm -hmm. but that's the context Paul was praying it in. Paul says, I think about you, I'm thankful. I think about you, I'm filled with joy. What gives me joy for your life? Because I know that the one who started his work in you, he will finish his work in you all the way to the day of Jesus Christ. Praise God. Does that make sense? That's how we can pray for each other. You guys, can I just, and I'll close. You know, that's why I'm not concerned. And I know that's why I'm not concerned with your questions. It's not, that's why I'm not concerned when you and I, we ask why. That's why I'm not concerned because I, I am confident of this very thing. That the father of your faith, God himself, who began his work in you, he will complete his work in you. I know he will. I'm confident he will. He'll never give up on you. He'll never turn his back on you. He'll never stop dreaming with you. He'll never stop pouring out into you. He will finish what he wanted to begin in your life. He will. Amen. Amen. Kevin, you know that? He will finish that in you. You will speak to thousands of men and change men. You will help men pick up their sword. You will go to every nation in the continent of Africa. You will. Hey, man, come on. You will see Gunnersville grow. Hey, man, you will. Come on. Does that make sense? You will see what you went to Karis for happen. You will. Hey, man, does that make sense? You will. You will see it. Amen. You will. You will pastor people. I know you will. Got no doubts. Does that make sense? You will write songs and prophesy. Both of you together. You will. I know you will. Does that make sense? Come on. 
Now you said, well, Brady went around and pointed at people. Why don't you point at those people? Because they gave me a small chance to get to know them just a little bit. They were willing to talk to me, share things that God had shared with them. They let me in just a little bit. Come on. But I know. Mm. <laughs> Amen. Does that make sense? So, Father, we do that. We're thankful. We are grateful, Lord, as I think about us as a church. I am thankful. Can you all just join me in praying with each other this morning? Can we pray for one another?